This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 315. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by Jacob Paulson. You know, and there's a reason why I'm here. It's because of an email that came in from a listener recently. <laughs> Don't let that get go to your head too much there, buddy. <laughs> I'm kind of proof. You know, I can't remember the exact words, but it might have been something like, I really appreciate the episodes where Jacob Paulson is present. <laughs> you know, you deserve some praise. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad you finally got some love. Finally. It, it, you know, I, you, you feel right now about how I felt after I had a little bit of a hiatus for a couple episodes from the podcast. And, I, you know, I felt like nobody really missed me. But then finally somebody told me they missed me. So, you know, it was about out. time. <laughs> You're looking a little tired today, bud. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm so kidding. We just got back from the NRA show. And so that's actually what we're talking about here today. Uh, <clears throat> we... Uh, Actually, we did a funny little thing. We actually flew into Chicago, drove to Indianapolis, attended the show, drove back to Chicago, and then flew home yesterday. And uh, yeah, I mean that was that was a hoot of a show. Uh, we saw a lot of people, you know, that we care about. We love love our people in the industry. Had a lot of great meetings. Uh, made some new friends, of course, along the way. Saw some cool products. The NRA is uh, kind of all up in arms or in turmoil somewhat. Uh, members meeting on Saturday was kind of interesting from reports I received. I was not able to attend because we had appointments, but, uh, <clears throat> anyway, it was a wild weekend and here we are. So we're, we're going to talk about the NRA show today. Uh, I called it the highlights and lowlights from the NRA show. So there you have it. Anyway, today's episode is made possible by Guardian Nation. If you were to watch all of the training videos, all are excuse me, all of the, well, the training videos too. That would be a lot of content. That would like make it even longer. But <clears throat> if you were just to watch the Guardian Nation live recordings, you would have 42 hours of video content to watch. You'd have to watch it for like two days straight and hardly any sleep just to get through all the content from trainers like Andrew Branca, Rob Latham, Mike Seeklander, John Lovell, Kyle Lamb, Rob Pincus, Carl Wren, Dave Spaulding, Chris Serino. Many of these we saw actually at the show. Um, we did not see Jeff Gonzalez. He was not in attendance. That was disappointing. Saw John Correa, too, and he's been on the uh, Guardian Nation live broadcast. Is it worth to spend $38.45 to spend the equivalent of five and a half days of training time with these instructors? Join today. Visit GuardianNation.com and enjoy this and so many other benefits of membership. And by five and a half days, I think we mean that's like normal work hour days, Right. Jacob, correct. Yeah, correct. five and a half days, give or take. It's <laughs> a lot of hours. <laughs> or you could just binge watch, and it would take you all Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> anyway, we hope that you'll join Guardian Nation. All righty, so um, I do have flight hangover today, Craig. You are correct. Uh, actually, and I have a sore throat. Uh, Jacob, a fair warning. Uh, I don't know if I got something that, that you won't get. If I got it from a different source, I don't know. But you did spend a little bit of time with me. Who knows if I was contagious, but I do have a sore throat. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, bud. So today, we're, we're going to talk about the highlights and lowlights. Uh, 
What did you see first of all? First of all, from the show, Jacob, that uh, you were really excited about? Yeah. Okay. So probably the first thing that comes to my mind is a product that's not available for sale yet. It's a prototype product that we got to play a little bit with that I just thought was kind of fun and clever. And um, until you know, I actually could buy it and play with it, who's to say if it would be amazing or, or not. But we saw a product called uh, the uh, Blue Ops is the name of the business. I don't I guess I don't know what the product is called. It's like X-Max or something. I don't know. X-Mag or I don't know. I'll but here, basically, up. let me try and describe this. Imagine... You take your your gun, and right now I think that they will initially roll this out just for Glock 19, um, maybe Glock 17. Anyway, uh, so you take your Glock 19 and you clear it, and then you take this magazine that's their product. That I think they called it the X Mag, and you shove it in the gun, and uh, it the magazine is paired with an app that you've downloaded to your phone via Bluetooth, and you can go ahead and fire. The gun, dry. It's dry fire, uh, but as, but you feel the actual kind of you know take up in the trigger, and you kind of feel like you're hitting that wall, and then boom, click. It kind of you know you, you get a shot off, so to you know virtually, and the data is then sent obviously to the app that is tracking your shots and times and etc. And if you have more than one of these devices, you could also perform a reload, and you can set up uh, strings of fire. So that you kind of know I'm going to you know fire X number of times and then I'm going to do a reload, then I'm going to fire X number of times, whatever it might be. And, and uh, they also definitely are looking at, they're, they're very big, I think, into the gamification potential, right? That, you know, I could be sitting in my living room and Riley could be sitting, you know, in his living room, you know, in, not in the same place. And via internet, our apps could be connected and we could run a string of fire competitively and see who wins. So anyway, it was fun to play with. And I thought conceptually... Um, it could be good. I think the price point is always kind of the red flag on some of these things. It looks like it's going to be a hundred to $150 product per mag, uh, when that hits the market. But from blue ops, I thought that was pretty clever. Yeah. And I confirmed it here. It is called the X mag and, uh, it was pretty cool, uh, for sure. I mean, they, they literally just developed this, uh, very recently. Uh, they, they told us we were playing with prototypes with 3d printed, uh, models, uh, but they looked pretty good for what they were. <clears throat> uh, there was a, a little bit of an opening where the battery was exposed in the back. I don't know if that's, I, I would guess they would, they would intend to close that in somehow. I don't know, but, um, the product itself seemed to work pretty well. Uh, so really though, what I see is couple things it gives you the like you said the opportunity to do some dry fire and you can program that magazine to only allow so many shots before it would force you to do reload so that would be kind of realistic right as far as you know some of the like a cert pistol if i'm just doing dry firing with a cert pistol i could do it indefinitely and then i just have to simulate and pretend you know when when there's going to be a reload now combining cert with something like laser app or laser x uh, from from the boys at Laser L A S R, um, you can actually program that software to when you're shooting your target, you're doing a certain drill. You can actually force it to or tell it to force you to do reload as well in the software. So that's one way that I've kind of incorporated that. You can even set that up to where it chooses those reloads uh, sort of randomly, which is kind of interesting and fun. But the X Mag is is really cool in that regard. Uh, now, thing is, is obviously you. To, for it to really be viable, you got to have a minimum of, of two X mags. <clears throat> and I'm guessing they sell it as a kit because it would make no sense, I think, to only be able to buy one of those. Um, you definitely want to start with at least two. 
I'm guessing you can add more, but obviously there's just going to be more cost. So the question is, how viable is that? You know, is it does it give you something? Is it a big enough deal? You know, like are you getting enough training value out of it, considering the investment? That's a big thing that I think a lot of people have to consider. I mean, a lot of people, the cert pistol is expensive. I mean, it's not a cheap product, that's for sure. Uh, I like Cool Fire Trainer. That thing is not cheap at all. But I do think that the training value that I get out of some of those out of those tools that I just mentioned, Cert and Cool Fire, is worth those prices. XMag, um, I feel like it almost needs to do a little more for it to have uh, you know enough value for me personally, Jacob. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think I think it's it's hard. I think there's two things that I, I, and I'm I'm coming about your question in a very roundabout way. Sure. I think people are always trying to pit dry fire tools against each other. Well, should I get this or should I get the Mantis X? Should I get LASR or should I get a cert pistol? Should I get the laser insert or should I get the laser light targets? And I think that we fail sometimes to recognize that A, these tools are all very different. They, I mean, very few of these things are really direct competitors. For the most part, all these different tools I've just mentioned are, are unique and do different things. They're not competitors. And so, with with that in mind, then my second point is that a well-rounded dry fire uh, training program or plan or approach is going to use various tools to achieve different things. So, you know, we shouldn't be asking, you know, should I, this sounds like that, so I guess I don't need it. You know, we should be saying, you know, what is it I'm trying to achieve and what tools help me achieve that? And unfortunately, um, you know, the unfortunate kind of reality of my my thinking there is that that could be very expensive. You know, all of a sudden, you have to acquire a bunch of different things to train and practice lots of different things. And to some degree, that's true. And, and the majority of these things, though, are almost always kind of resolved when you just go get a cert pistol and LASR. Like For me, it's kind of like the epitome. Like If you have the money and you just want to go up to that level, you can kind of do that and you're going to be able to do most things. But it, there's some things that you can't do with that, and and even with a cool fire trainer with laser, uh, with a laser uh, you know adapter and LASR, you still don't perfectly achieve all things. So, with that, with those disclaimers in mind, I guess what I think I see that this product, this XMag, does or could bring that nothing else does, is the ability to do uh, remote virtual competition. So I think that's cool. I just I don't know of any other tool that I can do live remote virtual competition with somebody with another shooter. So there that that potentially is cool. The the challenge for me though is that it's too easy to cheat the product because it, there's it doesn't give you any feedback relative to accuracy, right? So I can I could hold my Glock with my X Mag and I could just sit here and just you know just work the trigger as fast as I want and it doesn't know any different if if I'm shooting or not. It certainly doesn't know if I'm hitting the targets I'm aiming at. Uh, so it you know, it's it's a bit easy to cheat in the context of competition. But, um, you know, if, if a person said, hey, I have $100 to buy, you know, a really good dry fire tool, what can I get? Well, this is a product that compared to other things you could get for $100 or less, I think it, it could be a very viable solution. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, though, where I'm kind of like a little hesitant is just I feel like it's really just about a tool for training reloads. Um and that's that's fine. Like I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, it, it, you know, reloads. I say reloads because that's kind of what it is. And it's like you can set the magazine to only allow you so many shots, and then the magazine is able to time very precisely. 
when the reload starts and when it ends. Um, uh, I don't, and so, I don't see it that way at all. I, I like just don't. I mean, I certainly think that that is one aspect of it, uh, which would require two of them. But it also measures uh, split times, you know, between shots. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it measures anything. time to first shot from draw. That data is is pointless to me because it's not. I mean, sure, I can ring off, you know, however fast I want on the trigger and not care about the accuracy. So, I mean, yes, there. If everybody's putting forth their best best effort, okay, that's fine. But uh, but at the end of the day, it's really just measuring reloads, in my opinion. I don't know. So, I, but don't I'm I'm just being a little bit of a <clears throat> downy deb or deb, deb, blah, Debbie Downer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being a little Debbie Downer on it because I'm I'm going to be a little bit critical about some of these things early to market and and what's again the value of it what's what's the final what's the actual cost going to be that's going to be the big determining factor yeah, yeah. if I it's mean, 150 that's very different than it being 99 if it's 100 it yeah might be yeah it might be intriguing for me at 100 but get more than that it's like mm. so anyway uh it's cool though again to see the innovation taking place in the industry. I mean, there's more and more and more of this stuff coming to market all the time. I mean, just a couple of years ago, we didn't have things like Mantis X or, you know, the Cert Pistol is still really not that old of a product. Uh, Laser App, you know, I mean, there's just more and more of this coming to market and that's really exciting to see. So that's that was uh, one of uh, Jacob's uh, favorite things that he saw. Um, I'm going to go with... Oh, uh, just sorry. Oh, One of sure. the reasons I liked it so much because I'm pretty sure when you and I went head to head, I won. Should I throw that out there? I have no memory of that. Oh, uh, we got it on video, so don't <laughs> worry. I can refresh you later. <clears throat> I have no memory of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't remember that. That's funny. <laughs> I I know that I didn't beat you on the uh, AR-15 at least the first oh, the two simulator. times. Well, you yeah. beat me on your third try, but I only yeah. I only had had two runs. So yeah, my yeah, second yeah. run beat your second run. Yes. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yep. Um, let's see. Speaking of which, that was at Hyperfire. So we sold by Hyperfire, and they had just a little TI simulator uh, game set up. So with an AR-15, you know, shooting, I don't know what you call them, clay pigeons, something like that anyway, yeah. and just racing to do it. <clears throat> so anyway, it was fun. Technology is getting very advanced, Eric, and it's cool. So, um, my first favorite thing would be there's there's a number of things I saw that were pretty cool, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about the Trigicon SRO. Uh, so that's speaking of technology, we're seeing I feel like a second phase or wave now of innovation uh, from optics companies on red dots specifically for red dots that would be used like on a pistol so trigicon for a long time now has really owned the slide mounted optic market with their rmr because it's a pretty rugged device that's really important on a pistol that's getting carried around and banged around a little bit more than perhaps what an ar carbine would <clears throat> and so it's a rugged device it works very well uh, it's fairly low profile, lightweight. So the RMR has been kind of the king of the industry, but there's been a few players coming into the market. Trigicon is uh, swinging hard for the fences again now with a, again, a, what looks to be a very rugged optic. Uh, but one of the complaints with the RMR was that it's kind of a small window that you look through where the optic piece, where you know the reflective glass actually was. 
and they have come out now with a with one that is a very nice large window, um, maybe almost too big to an extent for me. I don't think, see it as being a problem necessarily, but it is a pretty tall optic. Uh, so if that's not your thing, then you may not be as inclined to like the SRO. But I was very impressed, at least, with the SRO from Trigicon and its, its quality. Uh, it's very easy to look through and find the dot. Uh, and actually, it's kind of almost a hybrid of sorts. <clears throat> so recently I talked about the Aimpoint Acro. Uh, we saw that at SHOT Show. And I like the Acro a lot because it's actually an enclosed tube red dot that's small enough to go on your pistol. The window on the Acro, the one thing there is it's actually a bit small, but where I feel like it's strong as, as a device is that you get a little bit of a tube. I do feel like that helps a shooter, especially a newer shooter or someone newer to a slide-mounted optic. Uh, I think that's helpful with them orienting themselves and learning how to find that dot very intuitively and quickly. So with the SRO, you get a really nice, big, generous glass. So field of view is nice. And, but they, the, the, what's the call? The shroud on it is, uh, it is taller, right? And, but it's also elongated somewhat. And so again, you kind of get a little bit of a tubular effect and that does help with finding the dot, uh, in, in the, optic, I think a little bit. Okay. So if you get in, in other words, it's hard to explain it or hard maybe for you to picture in your mind, if you're not that familiar with looking down a red dot, um, on your pistol. But, uh, if, if you look down, what basically what you'd see is you'd be able to see the two ends of the optic. So the, the one end that's open to your eye and the other end that's facing the target. And so obviously the one that's further away, you can kind of see that opening on, you know, through the optic, right? Because it gets kind of, you know, tunnel, it's like tunnel-like, right? <clears throat> so I think very intuitively our eyes are very, you know, and our brains and everything are very good at going, oh, wait, that's not centered. And by, if you recognize that intuitively, without even really having to think about it, you'll have a tendency to center things up and find that dot. So it helps you find that dot. So the SRO, I think, does a couple of things very, very well in this regard. Uh, and it's a it's a fine optic. And like I said, I think it's going to be plenty rugged. Real quick, I, before you jump in, Jacob, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to say this is for the benefit of somebody that gave us a review or wrote us about little dings and stuff on the podcast. And I'm just, I'm just saying it, it dinged again. And that's my computer. And there's nothing I can do about it right now. And I'm sorry for that. Facebook folks may not have, be hearing that. But those that are hearing the recording, you're going to hear it. And I apologize. I can't fix it. I don't know what's wrong with it. Anyway, so Jacob, uh, did you get your eyes on the SRO? I did not. Uh, I did not get my hands on it. And, and there was definitely a lot of uh, chatter about it. And everyone was talking about it. And it sounds really awesome. And I don't know that I could add much to the discussion, other than to say, I think the next 12 to 24 months, we'll see a ton of companies uh, rolling out a lot more handgun red dot products. I just think that's going to be um, a, a market segment that's going to get flooded very quickly. Yeah, I, well, I think it already is. But yes, I think I do. I absolutely agree with that as well, that it's just going to get more and more and, and pr probably better, arguably so. There, there's some exciting things new from SIG coming as well. Uh, it, ones that are already announced already. I just saw them at the show and maybe I'll talk about those as another highlight here in a moment. Again, getting just better, higher quality, more rugged. And that's all important when you're talking about carrying an optic on a carry gun, something you're carrying every day. You need it to be solid. So yep. what else, Jacob, as far as products? 
Well, I was, I was thinking about the new Beretta, so the APX Carry. So the APX line of handguns from Beretta uh, we've seen before, but the APX Carry was recently re- uh, announced. And I think for people who really like Beretta and you want to have a Beretta, you want to carry a Beretta, uh, they're making it easier and easier to pick out a carry gun, something that a person can, um, you know, kind of feel as a, as a quality concealed carry, self-defense, you know, compact or subcompact gun. So the Apex Carry, I got my hands on it. And I don't know that it's a gun that I would pick out and use myself uh, to carry, but I think as far as all Berettas go, it's the best Beretta I've seen so far in that realm. And I, I would, I would, I would happily own it and shoot it. I just don't think it's probably the best option on the marketplace. I definitely agree with that. As far as when you look at the the Pico and the Nano, which are two other very small guns from Beretta, you know, striker fired, where they've tried to enter into that that small ultra compact single stack type market. I I was not a fan of the Pico or the Nano, but the APX carry is something I could get on board with. I don't see a a need for me to rush out and go buy one, uh, especially where, you know, I see them as struggling with the same thing as, as every other player that's still in the single stack market uh, in that they've got the big elephant in the room, Sig Sauer with the P365. And it's like, Hmm. If I could carry a gun that's basically the same size or shape, uh, but I get four more or five more rounds or whatever, then you know I think the APX carry comes with a standard six round magazine. So it's six plus one. Standard from Sig is a ten plus one, right? So you got four more rounds, and it again I didn't put the APX carry and the P365 right next to each other. That that, that was impossible because they were totally different booths. But I'm pretty sure that APX carry is very close in size to the P365. But again, you know, why would I choose that over a similar size gun that's more, you know, more capacity? Now, there's other other reasons, right? Some people are not, they don't like the 365. They don't like the way it feels, or they won't like the trigger, or they won't like some other weird thing about it. That's all valid. Um, <clears throat> so the Apex Carry, though, I think is a is a fine entry to the market, and uh, but it's a double action only, so it's not striker fired, unlike new new entrants from Mossberg with the MC one MC one SC. Is that MC one SC? It's got to be so darn confusing, right? Complicated. Uh, yeah. So you know, it's a double action only. The uh, the Apex Carry is. Uh, the trigger's not bad for double action only. Like, for double action. Like, honestly, I'd I'd be okay with it. I've shot way worse DAO guns before. Uh, Jacob has one of them. <laughs> um, so it's it's not bad. It's just, I'm not really a DAO guy. Per, I, it just isn't really my thing. So, good yeah. gun, though. It seems like it, I, mean, I haven't shot it. We have no idea about the reliability. But, it, but I think that, for me, the takeaway is, you know... <sighs> Are gun companies scared to clearly be copycats or is the uh, R&D manufacturing production and release cycle so slow that they just still haven't been able to get their copycat product out yet? Because, uh, and I don't mean that in a negative way, by the way, to be very clear, I don't, I don't say copycat in a way with a negative connotation. I think all industries improve when more and more competition enters in any given market segment. So, 
you know, the P365, we talk about as kind of this revolutionary thing. And in, in many ways it is like, I, I think you could, you can make that as big of a deal as you want, but we just really haven't seen other products, other handguns come into the marketplace that are really comparable. And, and it, I keep asking, well, why not? Like, where are, where are the competitors here? Because I want competitors, not because I got anything against six hour, but because it will make, it will improve the industry. We will get better guns over time. If more companies come to bat. Yep. Yeah, I think, I mean, admittedly, it took SIG over two years to develop the P365 because there were some significant engineering challenges to make that a reality. Uh, yeah, but it should take less time for someone to copy it. Well, buy a P365, right? I mean, copy, I mean, there's three different patents just in the magazine. And fair, I, that's fair. I, I'm not entirely. I, I don't know exactly. I mean, I've had some of that explained. I mean, Phil Strader was on, and he talked about that a little bit too. But I don't, re- I don't really fully understand or grasp what about the magazine makes it so vastly different that it was patentable three different ways. But uh, I definitely think that's that's got to be that's got to be part of it. I think. Yeah, it could be, and I think all that is fair. But I still anxiously await the next entry yeah. that's truly a competitor. Yeah, but clearly, I mean, Sig came up with something that was totally new that nobody saw coming. Like nobody thought before that, oh, hey, we can stuff ten rounds in this little tiny magazine. Uh, so that tells you, I mean, there's always the ability to innovate and invent something new. And so somebody mm-hmm. else, yeah, could totally look at that problem and solve it a different way and blow us away. Uh, maybe Smith and Wesson. Who knows? They've been yeah. a little bit quiet on the kind of that single stack side of things the last you know couple of years since they released the <laughs> Shield uh, 2.0. The speaking of the 365, though, we did see some new 365s at the interannual meetings. There's now now the gun is available in Coyote Tan, right? And I don't know if is it shipping already? Can you can you buy the one with safeties or if, is that it's supposed to come out next month? Uh, there you go. So, so next I, month. I think late May is what I heard that the safety manual safety model of the, of the P365 will be shipping next month. There you go. So very, very soon. And that's good news for some people. Uh, for, for those of you in Massachusetts, what that means, just due to the various laws that states like Massachusetts and California have, where guns have to have certain features or whatever in order to get included on the approved handgun list. And by the way, it's not yet for the foreseeable future that the P365 will make it onto California's list. But I do think it's probably a, a reality that the P3, P365 will be on Massachusetts list very soon uh, w- yeah. once once you get that manual safety model. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm actually excited for those that have been waiting for that in a few uh, new markets. So, um, yeah, so the Coyote Tan, I... I I'm guessing that's shipping, if not already, very, very, very soon. If that's your thing, if you want a coyote colored uh, P365, well, there you go. That uh, that's that's out here very soon. I have a gray colored P365 now. Yeah, I'm going to be really careful. I'm going to pull this out for those that are viewing. But what I have here is a gray guns uh, finished and stippled laser stippled uh, grip module for the P365. And I picked that up uh, from them at the, at their booth, which I was really excited to. I, I've been thinking about ordering one for a while, but when I saw them there and they were priced a little bit cheaper than what they normally are on their site, I thought, I am going to get that. Um, and uh, 
boy, that, that extra stippling on the P365 feels really nice to me. I like a good grippy gun uh, because I'm trying to hold on to that thing and manage that recoil as best as I absolutely can. So I'm going to go ahead and reholster this really carefully. And just so folks know that well, it was loaded, but I was sure to make sure it's pointed in a safe direction at all times. Um, so, but the, I, I wanted to go ahead and just talk about the, uh, P365 Rolatini. <laughs> that probably sounds a little odd to those that are listening. Uh, that is spelled R-O-L-A-T-I-N-I. Uh, and it's kind of a play off of the, what, what's referred to as a Roland Special, which is a term that came around uh, basically to describe a gun that's just tricked out, <laughs> sometimes for no apparent reason. Uh, so by definition, a Roland Special usually has a, some sort of red dot optic uh, on it and a compensator and usually a like an upgraded trigger or something. And so they, uh, Grey Guns, who I just really think their their work is awesome. They, they, they have made their name customizing and upgrading Sig Sauer guns for a lot of years now. And they also do some stuff for, you know, they do some 1911s, they do some... HK HK work. They do you know a couple other things. I think you they, there might even be. Well, you probably send your Glock if you wanted and get it stippled or something, you know. But uh, <clears throat> but they really specialize in the Sig Sauer game. And I I got I caught wind of this Rolatini a while back, and uh, you know a compensator on a P365 and a red dot, uh, and that's not necessarily a totally new concept as far as the red dot, especially uh, because. There are others that have already figured out how to cut that slide and, and mount a little RMSC red dot on, and uh, but Grey Guns has their own version of you know their own custom uh, compensator that matches well with a true precision barrel, and just looking at that gun, I mean, it doesn't really necessarily make a lot of practical sense, but I just I have I have two P two P three sixty fives, and the reason I've held on to two is because. I'm planning on tricking one of them out just for fun, just for kicks and giggles. Uh, I've not ever really done anything like that before because I'm a very practical person when it comes to guns. I mean, I most of my guns are just completely bone stock. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of am just intrigued, like I, just to see what one can do with this little tiny gun. Now, having a compensator on, provided that it's reliable, because usually... You, you run into a couple problems when you start tricking things out, especially with compensators. Compensators add weight to the barrel. That barrel moves slightly with the rest of the slide, right, on recoil once the round has been fired. So adding weight to the barrel can introduce another variable that can affect reliability. Um, also, that barrel has to tilt slightly in most browning-based actions, which most of our semi-automatics these days are, as part of that uh, recoil action as well. And uh, so, you know, having a compensator can affect reliability. Now, they said that they've, from their testing so far, their compensator has been reliable. Why would you want a compensator? Well, because it pushes muzzle gases upwards, typically, at least on this one it does, which is going to help counter recoil. So you can shoot flatter, so you can shoot faster and keep your sights on target better. So those are cool, you know, benefits of a compensator. There are those that would say that it would be blinding in low light conditions. I've actually fired a compensated pistol before in low light conditions, and I didn't feel like it was a big detriment, I'll be honest. Especially when I had a flashlight attached to the gun at the same time that was way brighter than the flames coming out of the comp. All right, so just to put that into perspective. 
So um, I guess what I'm saying though is I, I thought the Rolatini was really cool and just fun. Like it's it's okay to do things sometimes on guns for fun. And uh, I'm intrigued and, and when they get that compensator and everything ready, I, I, I will probably become a client. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. A thought here for any revolver shooter or revolver loader carrier out there. I think it's worth checking out the new Colt King Cobra 2-inch. So this was mm. announced at this show. And, um, well, I guess here's my sense. The, the King Cobra for me from Colt is the most fantastic double action trigger on a revolver I've ever fired. And I didn't, I did not get over to the booth to shoot the new two inch model, but I assume it's the exact same, just a shorter barrel. So uh, if you're a revolver shooter, then I think the King Cobra is pretty, pretty worthwhile revolver to check out. Yeah. There was another revolver too. Did you see the new one from Ruger? No, I didn't get over there. Someone said to mention it to me. Um, So Ruger came out with this new, competition edition uh it's out of their cost custom shop and it is an eight shot uh uh yeah eight shot competition revolver and uh it's pretty cool i mean i got my hands on it and if i was if that was more my thing i would be really super excited about it but uh i think for a few competition folks for a very reasonable reasonable price i don't remember what they said it was going to be but it's it's very reasonable uh, I mean, you could spend thousands of dollars customizing a competition, even revolver, you know, doing some very high-end custom trigger work, hammer work, uh, all sorts of things, right? But uh, this one looked really solid and had a good trigger on it. Um, I don't know. So if that's your thing, go check out the new revolver from uh, from Ruger. And the King Cobra looked pretty cool, too. Anything else, Jacob? What else flo- floated your boat? Uh, not much. <laughs> you know, here, okay, so I will say that we saw, ran into, shook hands with, uh, got a bro hug from a higher number of uh, podcast listeners, Guardian Nation members and customers than we ever have before at these shows. And so yeah. that was uh, interesting. You know, I remember the first time that ever happened, it was 2016 at the Carry Guard Expo in Wisconsin. And we had two different people come up to us and be like, Hey, you guys are Jacob and Riley. And it was just, it's just like, wow, like how cool, like someone like sought us out or at least recognized us. And whoa, he's wearing a Guardian Nation shirt. You know, just, that was really cool. And so uh, this, this past weekend, man, that, that happened a lot more than ever before. And so to those of you who were there, uh, who we saw, Man, thanks for finding us. Thanks for giving us the handshake. Thanks for telling us uh, how much you like or or how big of a difference the podcast has made to you. And that really makes a big difference to us, I can tell you, uh, certainly emotionally. If nothing else, it does matter. And so very grateful to everyone. And and for those of you who are there and we missed you, uh, we're really sorry we missed you. Yeah. Question from Craig. He's asking if I handled the uh, Ruger at all. And I... I did actually. Yes. That's why I said I, it has a nice trigger, Craig. And I should have mentioned that that was based on the GP 100 revolver in case that would, if I didn't say that, I, I think I failed to say it was the GP 100, um, just all tricked out for competition. Um, so yeah, back to our guests or, or listeners or followers that we ran into. Uh, we saw more of you at this show than we've seen at any show up to this point. Obviously just a testament to, the growth of the podcast and and everything and 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 so we were really thrilled honestly like all of those of you that we we were able to see and some of you are viewing and listening today uh that was a lot of fun like actually that was probably the biggest highlight for me 
uh, from the show. That's like my favorite thing is just seeing all of you out at these different events. I wish we could do more or go to more places or things and see you in more places. Um, but, uh, Hopefully, you can all come to the Concealed Carry Expo in Pittsburgh in a couple of weeks here. So uh, <clears throat> we anticipate seeing some of you there and, and uh, hope hope for a good turnout. But it was really fun to see all of you. Uh, Lori was the last person I think we saw on Sunday. And uh, she was having some some challenges with her app. Actually, she didn't even have the app downloaded yet. But I, I showed her how she could do that. And then she was having some challenges. And I spent a good little while with Lori just, just helping her out. And you know what? I, I just thoroughly enjoyed that interaction because you're you're one of our people. So thank you. Yep. So should we get to the elephant in the room? Um yeah, sure. So <laughs> I was, I imagine you're asking you're talking about the the low light <laughs> of the show. The low, did you say low light? The yes, low light. Don't don't shine me with your flashlight again, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> um so, all right, what Jacob's referring to is obviously going into this show was interesting because just in the last you know week or two, there's been a lot of negative uh, press and news about the NRA. And there's, there's yeah, it was interesting for sure. Um, so on Friday night, I think it was, it was announced that Oliver North was not going to He's basically stepping down as president, or he was not seeking a second second term. Sounds like there was a falling out between him and Wayne LaPierre. Saturday morning, there's the members meeting, and that was going on. And uh, normally, the members meeting kind of goes like this. Hello, everybody. Uh, Wayne LaPierre gives, get, gets up and gives a big old speech. Chris Cox gets up and gives a big speech. And then they say if they they see if there's any any business for the members, and then somebody moves very quickly to close the meeting, so they can go off and do you know their behind closed doors executive sessions. And uh, they tried to close that meeting very quickly, but were unsuccessful in doing so. Uh, there was enough people repeatedly, yeah, s- several times. Uh, there was uh, our friend Adam Kraut and Josh Prince. Uh, of Prince Law, uh, they had submitted a uh, a motion or a a resolution, actually, uh, saying that you know ask asking for a no confidence vote in Wayne Lapierre. Uh, so that was presented, and I know that went before the board. Uh, the whole point was to get that um, to to the point of that presenting that at the members meeting is to get the board of directors to consider that resolution and to vote on that, which they did, I believe yesterday in the board of directors meeting. And that was, that was unsuccessful. Um, in fact, Wayne LaPierre was reelected as CEO and executive vice president. And they put in a new president, uh, Carolyn Meadows, who's, uh, been involved a number of, like she's involved with CPAC and a number of kind of Republican and conservative uh, leaning organizations. Uh, she was put in as the replacement president for Oliver North. Um, the point is there was not really any change, at least on the leadership side of things over the weekend. And the hope was to see some change there uh, from, from many people, but it was uh, quite a, quite a, an eye-opening experience. I mean, just hearing some of the reports from the floor, from those that were at the meeting, uh, people asking for greater transparency, asking for greater accountability, all of that stuff. And, uh, 
I, you know, I felt like it um, detracted a little bit from the show as far as there's, you know, our industry came together for, for the NRA annual meeting and exhibits. That's what the name of the show is. And they're there to show off their, their wares and, and the innovation and everything and for people to be able to buy stuff. Uh, and meanwhile, kind of off in the corner, there's all this turmoil going on in the NRA. But uh, at the same time, I was proud to see that there were those, I mean, we, we live in America, which is, a, I mean, we are still the freest country on planet Earth. And we like transparency. We like accountability. We like free speech. And the NRA should be an organization that embodies all of those values that it doesn't seem like that's the case. So it, it, but it was good to see people really getting engaged and trying to influence uh, the organization and the process. Yeah. You know, I, I, on the way home, I called my dad just to catch up about family stuff and, you know, the first thing he asked me is, hey, I'm seeing all this news about how the NRA is, you know, in turmoil and it's falling apart and, you know, what are we going to do and, you know, whatever. And so it's, you know, the, the news is out there talking about the NRA and how it's falling apart. And I think a lot of people feel concerned about, you know, whether you like the NRA or not, there's certainly at least the sentiment that they are a large uh, force in maintaining and growing our rights and that they arguably are the best force we have to do some of those those efforts as a lobbyist group. So I guess a, a couple of thoughts that might be valuable or useful or, or good to remember or keep in mind. One would be that, you know, yes, it to some degree, it, there's a certain amount of embarrassment on the national stage uh, if, if we go out there and we create any sort of, you know, turmoil or disruption in the NRA uh, world, right? Because then everyone's like, hey, look at all those gun owners. They can't even agree on their own thing. And there's drama and there's conspiracy or there's lack of transparency or, or whatever scandal, you know? And I get that there's, there's a certain degree of embarrassment that we feel as gun owners when that takes place. But on the same token, you know, if we're going to be here for the long haul, not the short haul, then we have to do what we feel is necessary to preserve, uh, you know, the, the best fighting chance organization that we we think we have. Uh, <clears throat> so that's one thought. Another thought would be this, and I think this is even more important to, to keep in mind. Different than a lot of the of, of other lobbyist groups out there, the NRA is a member-based organization. You know, the majority, the majority of the big power players in DC, as far as lobbyist groups go, they're funded by primarily companies, uh, you know, within an any given industry or very large wealthy uh, you know, individuals or super PACs. And that's just kind of the nature of that beast. You know, if you're a lobbyist group that lobbies on behalf of the agricultural industry, who do you think you're funded by? Well, the biggest companies in the agri agricultural industry, right? And it's pretty obvious what you're out there lobbying for. The NRA, for being as big and as, you know, uh, pers you know I, I hate to use the word powerful because I don't know that's really the right word, but for being as big and as, as, and as well-known and, and arguably as powerful as they are, they are a member-based organization, you know, with between 3.5 and 4 million members that drive the, the decisions of the organization to some degree, or at least in theory. And it's a large board. It's, there's 76 members of the board. It's hard to make things happen or change things when you have a board that big. And so, you know, for whatever it's worth, just remember that the NRA is more than just a, a name or an organization. It's a group of people. And so as long as the 3.7 million or however many members it is 
uh, of the NRA. As long as those people, as long as we stick around and we're still fighting the good fight, we don't have too much to worry about. Even though it may be embarrassing, we might be going through some challenges uh, relative to what the NRA is doing or says that it's doing. Yeah. Those are good thoughts, Jacob. Uh, there's actually a comment here I wanted to sort of reply to on Facebook. Greg says he's nervous about the NRA falling apart. What does the future hold for us and them? How will it affect us? Scary times we are in for sure. So um, first of all, I, honestly, I don't think the NRA is going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and I'm also not particularly nervous about it. In fact, if the organization is seeing any sort of downfall, whether that be temporary or otherwise, uh, it's brought upon themselves as far as the, the executive and leadership teams. Uh, sorry, you know, like that's, they, they reap what they sow. Um, but, but I honestly think that the, the, the organization is a big organization, folks. There's a lot of organizations across America. There are not many that have, five to six million members. Yeah, that's only a small fraction of total gun owners, but that is still a huge organization. Uh, But even still, we, the people, those that are members, and those of us that are freedom-loving Americans, gun owners, we are way bigger than the NRA is. Uh, And that's not going away. If the NRA were to go away, it, it would be replaced. Uh, somebody would step into that void and people would people would come together and they would throw their weight behind something else, whether that's Gun Owners of America, Firearms Policy Coalition. I don't, it doesn't matter, okay? Don't have to talk about specific names. But, but some, it's not like suddenly there would be no lobbying power. Yes, the NRA has a lot of lobbying power. They've, they've been around a long time. They have a lot of connections. But uh, but I think that void will be filled very quickly. I'm not worried at all. Um, I do think it's it's a shame that it's come to what it has, and that the media is is portraying the NRA in the light that it is. And again, some of that is self deserved because of um, problems as I see it at the executive level in the NRA. Um, but uh, but. The inter- I think the media is also portraying like they're doing everything everything they can. I do feel like there's some bias there uh, from some of the articles I've seen the last few days. There's quite a bit of bias showing, uh, you know, trying to portray this idea that the NRA is falling apart. I actually don't think it's as bad as what the media is making it seem. And just to be fair, just based on reports from the members' meeting. Uh, those that were upset at the members' meeting, as far as coming there with problems and complaints about how the organization is being run, were very much so in the mi- minority. The majority of members in, in attendance at that meeting, uh, business as usual, and they fr- either frankly don't care or not informed, uh, or uh, as far as on some of the issues within the NRA, or they support the current leadership. All right, so uh, those that are disgruntled with the current state of affairs with the NRA seem to me to be absolutely in the minority. Uh, so if if you feel like there's a need for change within the NRA, then you should probably lobby yourself and, and talk with fellow NRA members that you know and encourage them to work towards that change um, as opposed to just ignore things or put your hand, head in the sand. 
So anyway, that's just my thoughts on um, everything that went down with with the, the NRA and the members meeting and, and the board meeting, which was just yesterday. Uh, so there you go. Um, I did have uh, another thing or two I wanted to you know just throw out there, Jacob. Uh, a couple kind of rapid fire fashion here. Uh, a couple other products that I saw from Sig. I, I kind of hinted at this a little bit, but Sig is releasing some new optics, uh, red dot. You know, kind of slide mounted. They could be used used on on a rifle as well if you wanted. But they had the new Romeo One Max, which is pretty cool. Or maybe it's the Romeo Three Max. I don't know. It's a it's kind of a special Max Michelle edition, uh, and uh, it looked pretty pretty cool. Um, there's the Romeo One Pro. Maybe that's what it was. Romeo Three Max and Romeo One Pro. Uh, but there's a Romeo two coming and it was behind a glass case. So I couldn't actually get my hands on it, but this one looked really intriguing, uh, because it, it, it had, or either comes with, or has available options for different shrouds that you can mount over it for strength, obviously. Uh, but you can choose from a small, a medium or a full shroud that like it fully encases the optics. So, um, it, it, it would be kind of, it would kind of become like a, like an aim point acro for instance, where it's all enclosed. Uh, so I thought that was really cool to see from SIG. And then, uh, there was something else here. I was just going back through my pictures cause I took pictures. Oh, uh, if you're into rifle optics, particularly like, like a one to six or one to eight power, uh, something three gun related. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big three gunner. Burris just released their new RT eight, which is a one to eight power. And actually seeing it yesterday was first. I, I was able to see it and see it next to an RT six, which is their, uh, one to six power. And I have the one to six, I have the RT six and it's a great scope, uh, for, for, for carbon use. Absolutely. One power, if you need it, you can zoom out to six. You know, I've shot out to 600 yards with that thing and it works great. Um, the RT eight gives you another two X of power and, uh, but it's like the same size as the RT6. I thought it would be a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, but it's not. It's like the same scope, but just more power. And it looked great clarity wise. It's and it's it's still very affordable. Like I thought it would be a hundred or two hundred dollars more than the RT6. No, it's only like fifty bucks more. That's awesome. So I think uh, Burris has got a winner on their hands there. And then um, oh, and a couple other highlights. I I thought I'd just throw out there, Jacob. Uh, we were able to do uh, an interview with Kyle Lamb at the mag pump booth. And uh, that was cool. That was fun. Um, it was really good to connect with Kyle. We we're also able to reconnect with guys like Mike Seeklander and have nice long conversations with him. Um, John Lovell and others. And so a lot of wonderful things uh, came out of the, the show at uh, NRA this year, I thought. Yeah. You just reminded me too, the something I was thinking of, which was uh, apex triggers or whatever their company name is. Everyone knows them as apex triggers. They have a new trigger for the FN 509 and, and the midsize. Mm. And they're the first ones I think to have really a, a legit aftermarket trigger. I, I, I'm really intrigued by the 509 and the 509 midsize. I'd like to get my hands on the midsize and shoot it. But anyway, for those of you who like a good aftermarket trigger, and if you're FN folk, you might go check out apex. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, it's another great observation. Oh, we also spent some time in the Honor Defense booth, uh, spending some time with Gary Ramey, talking with uh, folks there that were coming by, and uh, you know the Honor Guard pistol. Jacob, you own one of those, and it's it's a good little pistol. I like it very much, and it was fun to hang out with them. We also spent some time at the Fiocchi Ammunition booth. 
Uh, I don't know if there's necessarily anything really new or exciting coming from Fioki uh, anytime soon, but I, 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 I'm hearing some rumblings that there's something kind of cool coming, uh, just FYI. And uh, Caltech, I uh, spent some time over there. Uh, me personally, I spent quite a bit of time there uh, and working out some details with, with Chad. We're working on some stuff, and uh, just, just stay tuned. There's going to be some really cool stuff coming from Caltech also very soon. That's a little too soon to to talk about. Uh, not ready for it wasn't ready for the show, and uh, but they're going to be releasing uh, some some new things here very soon, and it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I cannot or will not say more than that. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, um, there you go. That's pretty much the wrap of the show, and uh, a lot, a lot of cool stuff. I mean, it wasn't like super overwhelming like oh there's this new thing and there's that new thing you know it wasn't like shot show a couple years ago when the hudson h9 (laughs) first came out and that was like the big thing of the show and everybody was so excited and then last year at shot show the p365 p365 was so exciting for everybody this year you know it's kind of like oh there's some cool stuff here some cool stuff there but um i think uh you know, in the in the near future, there's going to be some some new products that come that we're just going to be really wowed by. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Concealed Carry Expo again. Come see us. That is in just a couple of weeks here, uh, May 17th, 18th, and 19th in Pittsburgh. Uh, the show starts in the afternoon on the 17th. That's a Friday, and then it's all day Saturday and Sunday, 18th, the 18th and 19th of May. Uh, we'll have a big presence there. We'll have a big media booth uh, doing live broadcasting all three days of the event from the show. Uh, I'm hoping to step up our game there, Jacob. In fact, I didn't tell you this yet, but I, I'm, I'm oh, kind of thinking about, uh, I want to get my phone because the program and the hardware that we use, so the the stuff we use to take the video feeds and put it out on live video for everybody to see on Facebook and YouTube um, will work with my iPhone. And I'm thinking that I want to grab my iPhone occasionally and just go out on the floor and like talk to people, just like on the show floor, and do some, you know, just do some different stuff other than like interview after interview after interview. I don't know, just a, just a thought. So, be ready. Yeah, the takeaway is, um, if you're going to be in Pittsburgh, make sure you stop and see us. But if you're not going to be at the show in Pittsburgh, you know, still put those dates on the calendar because we're going to be broadcasting so much amazing content live. You're not going to want to miss it. So. Stay tuned for for more info on how to be plugged in. Yeah, absolutely. So we hope we'll see you there. And again, go check out Guardian Nation, guardianation.com. Again, check out our our whole archive of great, fantastic videos with really cool guests, uh, professionals that, whose names you would recognize. I read them off in the beginning of the episode. Uh, 40, over 42 hours of content in the Guardian Nation live member, uh, or members only, obviously, access, but in the Guardian Nation live video library. And now it's time, Jacob, to announce this week's winner of our weekly podcast giveaway. Yeah, the 2A Defenders shirt. Yep, yep. Uh, super excited. I was wearing that shirt on Saturday. Uh, so if you saw some of our face- Facebook live videos from the show, uh, I would have been sporting that shirt. And it's a cool shirt. I like it a lot. And uh, so, yeah, we had 254 entrants uh, this week for that prize. And uh, many of you were able to take advantage of the extra bonus entries because you shared it with your family and friends. Make sure to keep doing that. Make sure you keep signing up each and every week between Tuesday. Okay, it starts Tuesday and runs all week through the following Monday. 
uh, make sure you sign up each week because it resets every week. All right. So it's not just like you sign up the one time and you're good forever. And someday we're going to magically call you up and say you won. No, every week it resets. We clean out that list and start again. All right. So again, this week's prize, the 2A Defenders Concealed Carry Alumni shirt. It's a pretty cool shirt. Uh, we'll contact you if you're the lucky winner. Get your address, get your shirt size, and we'll send you one of those shirts. Okay. So are we ready to pick a winner? Make it happen, chicken dinner. Yeah, folks, if you're ready, type ready right now in the comments. Here we go with our special custom machine gun drum roll. Picking the winner now. And this week's winner is Melanie H. Melanie H. And her email address is mel, and then something else, at yahoo.com. So, Melanie, congratulations. You are the winner of a 2A Defenders Concealed Carry Alumni t-shirt. And I'm so, so sorry to all those of you that did not win. But make sure you keep coming back each week and signing up. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize each week. Get signed up. Make sure there's a good chance one of these lucky days you will be lucky and you will win <laughs> all righty uh, i'm so excited melanie i'll uh, we'll send you an email and get in touch with you and with that a reminder too unless you have anything else to add jacob no fire maybe you want to say the line train right train hard train safe so you can fight hard fight so, fast fast so close fight but you, how'd you, i do you, you got hard in there twice train right train right train, train often Often right. train safe. Train safe. Yep. Do so you can fight hard, fight fast, fight true. Yeah, that's it. You got it. Folks, we'll see you later. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.